Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Charles Hepting from Major Harmer in New York City. I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And this is something new that we're trying um, for conversations with philatelists. Um, a live stream about yeah. the week's news. And and Michael, this is something that uh, I, I think we, we sort of uh, started kicking around as a joke um, mm-hmm. about a week ago. Um, and then we decided that this might be something fun to try because the, the sale of the magenta was such big news in the philatelic yeah. world. And it was so much fun um, being a part of that, um, like literally boots on the ground in <laughs> Sotheby's you know, yeah. a couple of days before it sold and, and talking to Victoria so soon after that I think, uh, you know, again, what started as a joke ended up being something that we decided was was worth trying. So I'm, I'm excited to uh, to do this with you. Hopefully it'll become a weekly thing. We may change the timing a little bit in the future. Um, mm-hmm. It's 9 a.m. 6 a.m. is too early for uh the the west coast west coast um but then i feel like we'll be losing our uh our, our twitter <laughs> friend in japan because it's yeah. already 10 p.m for him so yeah. we'll, we'll try and perfect the timing uh we'll we'll um we'll figure that out as we move forward but uh michael how do you want to kick things off i i know you've got a couple of things you want to talk about i've got um a couple of pages of yeah, notes it- that i made of things that went on this last week and things that will be going on next week so i'm, I'm gonna let you kick it off though well, it, I mean, it sounds like you're incredibly prepared for this. So usually we just start these conversations. You call me and then uh, and you're really excited about something. And I try to match your energy. I and I am. I am. So, and, and what's really funny, too, is whenever we have an interview, you're like, Charles, did, did you make any notes? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I've got no notes. Um, I've got and then this pages time, of notes. Exactly. You've you know. got all these questions written out. And I usually just go off the cuff. And this time um, I shocked you. I surprised you. Yeah. Um, by having a couple pages of notes. But but again, yeah. I'm, I'm going to let you kick it off. Okay. Well, the first thing I wanted to talk about to you was, and it sounds like you wanted to talk about also a little bit later, is is auction prices. I mean, the I had one thing yeah, so highlighted. I, I, I may be biased uh, given my background, <laughs> wanting to talk about auctions, but uh, yeah, I've, I've got some notes on auctions. But but you had mentioned a sale that I I hadn't even really followed, and and prices realized right that so were reported. I have the June edition of the um, philatelic exporter here. This came in yesterday. Um, I assume it was issued before then because I think in it they're still talking about the sale of the uh, magenta on June 8th um, so it took a while I to get like from we should have a, a weekly uh, segment called like magenta watch because I, I I've had multiple <laughs> people write me do you have any more information yeah. and I haven't heard anything more I think we'll find mm-hmm. out when uh, when most everyone else finds out but we should yeah. touch back on the magenta every week to yeah. see if there's no, any absolutely updates, but... I mean we we had said we wanted to talk to um you know, uh, go back to New York and talk about it again with the auctioneers and, and everything. Absolutely. And, and uh, I, I think that'd be a good idea to just see how, please, because we, we had some email correspondence with them afterwards and they were talking about how pleased they were with the whole, um, the whole sale and everything and, and who it went to and how, how the sale proceeded. They thought of it as this massive win for philately. And uh, I think it would be great to get, some you know expand upon that get get more of their thoughts on that in person but um the one i wanted to talk to that kind of shocked me i i love reading these and one of my favorite sections in them is always the around the room section they different auction houses are asked to feature some of their more exciting or or better items that had prices realized and an eastern auction in april 20th to may 1st had they had an auction Classic stamps of Barbados, Cape of Good Hope, Ceylon, United States, as well as British North America. And then they've got almost a full page here. And every single item on the page is British North America. It's Canada. Um, 
And I had always, I felt taken aback because when people always tell me, oh, what, you know, what's the, what's good to collect, what's not good to collect, what prices are, are, you know, really high, what prices are really soft, I feel like I always just put needles on Italy and Canada as the prices that are really soft. And then this entire page here is dedicated to British North America, to Canada, and they just blew all of their estimates out of the water on every single pristine stamp here. And I just, you know, I, it, okay, the, the word pristine, I think, is key because is we key, had a, yeah. a, a nice sale of, of Canada back in April, and I too was impressed by the prices for the um, top notch material. So I yeah. think the problem with Canada, again, you're right, people say, you know, what are the hot countries, what are the cold yeah. countries, and yeah, Canada is always one you, you go to. Um, but I think that that's sort of unfair, and that's referring to a lot of the average or below average material. Yeah. Um, but yeah, point out one or two that they that they highlighted. So from, they from um, here. I want to find one that that doubled. So uh, this small paragraph here among the admirals, there was a flawless mint Tetebesh imperforate pair of the nineteen twenty two two cent green dry printing, one of only two known such pairs originating from the Tetebesh Pain lot. Uh, 626 um, it surpassed their estimate of 7500 Canadian dollars uh, to sell for 13,500 so it, it doubled their estimate this is the, the the guy in question there so I, I mean of course great rarities I mean it look at those margins it Yeah, I mean, the good stuff's doing well. The good yeah. stuff's and 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 again, um, something else we should have mentioned is we are monitoring the chat. So yes. I love seeing digital philatelist in there. Um, who mentions that Spink did well with Rhodesia and uh, Nyasaland in January of this year. Um, so I, I do think with British Commonwealth, the quality yeah. is is really becoming more, not becoming more and more key. I think there's always been a high standard of collecting, right. but right. you know, I, I think a lot of the um, uh, presumed depression of the market is again for material that is is common and average grade and i i, mm -hmm. I think it's great to see um that that this sort of material again i noticed it at our sale in april obviously yeah. eastern is experiencing it i think that there is um uh great demand for high quality canada and, yeah, and certainly and the the stamps are as attractive as U u.s stamps uh, you know the 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 aesthetics are there and i yeah. think that um i think that it, again the, the quality is just key I, I, I just feel like I've been so unfair to Canada this whole time because, you know, maybe it's just people who connect, collect, uh, you know, Canadian philatelic material are, are collecting in a very specific way. Sometimes I see, you know, light hinge and never hinge sets or sometimes the centering is off and they, they don't make the money that I feel percentage catalog value wise they should. And and it's possible just because, yeah, the. The condition is always a factor, but I feel like it doesn't affect U.S. material as much as it does some of this British material. Sure. You know, if you get a mixed light hinge and never hinge set in U.S., I feel like it still performs just just as well percentage-wise. You look as at what a, a, what a yeah. hinged blue nose goes for yeah. versus yeah. what it could or should. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, so so following up on on prices realized, I'm just going to go through a couple of things that I've been keeping an eye on. Um, mm -hmm. The last three days, so Tuesday through Thursday of this week, um, the Crimson Collection was sold yeah. at Kelleher, um, and and I think across the board, a lot of stuff did very well. I noticed most hammer prices were 
firmly within their estimates. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, you know there were some great things. There was a twenty cent St. Louis Bear on cover. Uh, twenty cent being the the key mm-hmm. value of mm-hmm. that stamp. Uh, Persian rugs are always popular. Things yeah. like that are just sort of perennial favorites. But there were two lots that I wanted to highlight. Uh, the first of which, yeah, you'll notice from my notes that I just I like the weird stuff a lot of the time. <laughs> so, um, you know, the semi-official balloon airmail. Yes. The uh, the 1877. Um, Was it CE1 or something? It is CL1. CL1. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The balloon post. Um, yeah. Yeah. They they had a, a mint ever. They only printed a couple hundred of those things to begin with, mm-hmm. um, and they had a, a mint original gum example that was graded 95. Wow. Um, the Scott catalog, I think is seven or 8,000, but a, mm-hmm. a, a graded 95 example, I don't think there's an SMQ for the uh, <laughs> semi-official balloon airmail. Uh, they estimated it at uh, 15 to 20,000 mm-hmm. uh, and it sold for 24. Yeah. Which I thought wow. was just a, a remarkable- I love those um, stamps. I, I don't know if you remember, do uh, you remember uh, a while ago, I said I wanted to write an AP article on them. You did. I remember yes. that. Um, that's kind of why I brought this up too, is I knew you liked that stamp. <laughs> it's sort of like the VinFizz flyer stamp as well. These mm-hmm. weird stuff. I mean, Canada's obviously got a lot more semi-official yeah. airmails than we do here in the States. Uh, but again, just the fact that there was a balloon stamp produced in 1877, I thought was cool. And I thought that Kelleher did really well with that stamp. Another one I thought was interesting. There was a great, like I said, Persian rug, great selection of revenues in this um, Crimson collection. So the silver tax stamps, I think are kind of, forgotten um mm-hmm. they're kind of really tucked deep in the back of the book and you really yeah. have to go hunting for them um but rg 103 it's a 1942 50 dollar gray uh silver tax stamp um this one was serial number 723 uh wonderfully fresh well centered with intense color uh it has a scott catalog value of forty eight thousand, which for a stamp nestled this far in the back of the book is yeah <laughs> significant uh, and it sold for thirty thousand against a Scott of forty thousand. So obviously, with that more specialized stuff, yeah, um, you know, it's it's not crazy. You know, it's not like a, a U.S. Uh, front of the book stamp where you're getting a mm-hmm. smaller percentage of cat usually. Um, but as, again, a silver tax stamp to sell for thirty thousand, yeah. something with such a small audience, I thought was um, was quite impressive. Yeah, so I, I, mean, I enjoyed that's, that's significant because I feel like the back of the book high catalog value stamps like that forty thousand dollars for a back of the book stamp is is exactly is rarer than a front of the book stamp for forty. You get into that with the wine revenue stamps. You get yeah. into that with some of these again hyper specialized things um, that you just you just never see. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that the silver tax section of the um, the crimson collection was was a lot of fun to look through. I enjoyed looking through the um, prices realized for the Crimson Collection. So that was Keller this past week. Looking towards next week, um, we at HR Harmer have sales mm-hmm. five days in a row. Uh, so that'll be a, a long and, and fun week for us um, that I may touch on again later. But I want to focus on what else is going on. Um, Siegel has three sales next week. The first on Tuesday is free franks and autographs, including... And I sort of did a double take when I saw this on their website. <laughs> um, do you know what I'm going to say? Do you know what they're selling? I don't. I haven't been they're on They're selling the... Marilyn Monroe's cookbooks. What? Yeah. They're selling Marilyn Monroe's cookbooks with okay. her um, handwritten like notations in the margins. Like she made notes. Interesting. Um, and it, I encourage everyone to go read the description on these things and look at the pictures because it's fascinating. But I guess there's a couple of pages with like splatter from um, – from food and stuff that presumably Marilyn Monroe cooked. Mm-hmm. So I, um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. It's like the least philatelic item. In yeah. Well, Eagle's I mean, they've, they've, they've always, they have 
kind of broached outside of philately sometimes they didn't they sell a copy of the direct declaration of independence I mean, they did they did yeah so yeah it's not unexpected for them but yeah i'm mm-hmm. used to see so you look at the presidential free franks and you look at all that sort of good stuff and i, yeah. I love it um, <laughs> but Monroe's then again cookbook. marilyn monroe's cookbooks i <laughs> and i think the estimate's like 15 to twenty thousand. i hope they mm-hmm. do really well and i would love to i'd be them. surprised um, if those did that <laughs> I'd think it would be cool. I probably wouldn't use them. Um, yeah. So then Wednesday, uh, Siegel has a sale of Civil War special mail routes. This is um, this is a fascinating sale. This is one of those catalogs that I can just like. It's like I have a crystal ball and I can see myself referring back to this for many many years. Um, but my takeaway from this is I think that it's obviously a lot of Civil War buffs and Civil War reenactors, and and mm-hmm. Civil War has has obviously maintained its role in popular culture but so much of what we focus on are the battles and the generals and sort of the um the macro level the you Mm -hmm. know the movement of troops across state lines and everything um and i think we forget that there were people who were trying to figure out how to send mail during the civil war (laughs) um and and i know it sounds sort of silly but the express companies and the flag of truce mail and the um, blockade runs I, i i think this is a catalog that um, sort of reads like a history book as much as an auction catalog. Because mm-hmm. um, this is just really, I don't know, these are all little stories. Again, yeah. the express, you, you, again, it, it's one thing you hear about um, you know, Stonewall Jackson or Robert E. Lee or General Grant or whatnot. But the guys running the express companies during the Civil War, probably just as dangerous mm-hmm. as being on the front lines. Um, and, and certainly with high stakes, a lot of the mail that was being conveyed, you know, some of it was um was was um probably kind of mundane but so much of it would have been relevant to the economy of the south or to yeah. um uh you know to again the this is how people yeah Wait, to, I, I, tying, I just find it fascinating tying two points together that you've made now in kelleher's quarterly magazine and the civil war trish kaufman just had a uh i only got through half of it but an excellent article in kelleher's quarterly magazine who t- talked a little bit about that it focused more on the uh, interactions with a few key people, and but uh, more so about a letter traveling from one place to another. Um, I've only made it through about half the articles so far. I, I haven't read I that yet. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna have yesterday. to check that out because again, I, I find this this Siegel catalog um, just fascinating. Even if you don't bid on anything, I think it's again it reads like a book almost. Um, yeah. So that's Wednesday, and then Thursday is Rarities of the World, their annual. Uh, the, I mean the closest thing i think the philatelic world has to an annual event uh in terms of auctions uh is yeah. the seagull's rarity sale uh with just some some fantastic stuff yeah, the um really good uh yeah the beaver cover um obviously and the newberry cover um to cape of good hope is is a world-class rarity and i i hope mm-hmm. it does very well so so that's seagull next week and then also that. uh sparks auctions um next week their public auction number 37, June 22nd through 24th, which is Tuesday through Thursday. Um, and my takeaway from this is the early Canadian registered mail is fantastic. They have a whole bunch of single lots and collection lots of early Canadian registered mail and uh, just really interesting stuff. Some great destinations, some great rates. So that is um, Sparks auction next week. Um, do you mind if I shift gears completely? No, not at all. I, uh, I'm Today interested to is... see which gear you shift to because we haven't talked about what is actually we have not gone over of any of what we're going to be discussing <laughs> um today june 18th uh they are issuing 10 new stamps oh yeah they are is issuing the, the sun the science message one? 
No. That's These later. are the Sun Science. This okay. is a set of 10 stamps. Uh, 10, 55 cent forever, 55 cents for now. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news that they're <laughs> upping it to 58 cents this summer. Uh, pain of 20, uh, including all sorts of um, coronal hole in purple, coronal loops in red, solar flare in deep blue. These are all um, like filter, heavily filtered images of the sun. Mm-hmm. This follows up on, you had the Pluto and the space probe yeah. uh, stamps. You had the eight planet stamps that were released in the year 2016 as well. You had the lunar solar or lunar eclipse i'm not an astronomer i apologize i'd be at the eclipse stamps and i think this is sort of making a nice little series of space related stamps mm-hmm. um so these are being issued in Greenbelt, maryland at one of the um one of the astro- astronomical museums okay uh, but i thought there is a stamp issue today and then next week we have yogi Berra, uh certainly deserving of a Stamp. Yeah. That's just going to be mm-hmm. one design issued in Little Falls, New Jersey on Thursday, June 24th. Um, and then also, all right, here's, uh, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I get distracted. I go down these rabbit holes researching stuff. So the um, the bird stamp is, the, the duck hunt stamp is being issued next week. It is a lesser scop drake. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the word scop correctly. Um, but this is the $25 federal migratory waterfowl hunting stamp uh a drake is a male duck obviously mm-hmm. uh, not that i had to google that this morning um and a lesser scop is a small north american diving duck i looked at it it looks just kind of like your average duck i'm, I'm not gonna yeah. lie i'm not uh too into it but um it's also known as a little bluebill because of its distinctive blue bill um the origin of the name scop may stem from the bird's preference for feeding on scalp the Scottish word for clams, oysters, and mussels. Hmm. Uh, however, some credit it to the female's discordant scop call as the name's source. I've never heard one of these ducks. I don't know yeah. if their call actually sounds like the word scop or scalp or however you pronounce it or scalp. I don't know. Um, but the bird stamp is co- the the duck stamp is coming out yeah. uh, next That's week, federal. and I thought that was the right. federal uh, yeah. federal bird stamp duck stamp uh, is coming out next week. Twenty five dollars being issued in spanish fort alabama and yeah i thought it was interesting that um yeah it's just a, it's a nice looking bird as always these are very well designed stamps yeah and yeah. uh yeah um next time somebody asks you about the lesser scalp you can say it's also known as the bluebill mm-hmm. uh fun bit of i don't know trivia amongst friends yeah. <laughs> right what's more exciting yeah. than that yeah um no well, the duck stamp issues are always incredibly popular and i you know i feel like the the federal duck stamps do really well but i feel like state duck stamps just have this they're in this groove where people really like they get super specialized with them and they collect a ton do you find that have you ever have you had any collections where you sell state duck stamps or we had a bunch of the um the ones that are like the governor signature like the super deluxe ones and didn't a new catalog just come out on state ducks i believe i think so was it the Yes. That was, I read a review in Linz, I believe. Okay. Yeah. It was like four months ago, I think. Three or four months ago. Maybe. My later. sense of time is not great because I thought it was like <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. But um, um, yeah, the, the, the state duck stamps are interesting. I get the federal ones. I think it's impressive that they've maintained yeah. their quality. And uh, I, I think this thinking, new one. Yeah. Look at it, looking it, at this new one, it will um, hopefully be as popular as the rest. So yeah, in one week, you've got Sun Science, Yogi Berra, and the duck stamp. 
Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And then I said one other thing I wanted to mention that I will probably be participating in. Do you know what postmarks and paperbacks is? Have you heard of this? Hmm. Postmarks and paperbacks is a new. Well, I'll just read the description right here instead of trying to explain it myself. <laughs> Uh, it is uh, sponsored by the National Postal Museum, the Smithsonian. It is okay. an online book club for lovers of books, letters, and the art and history of communication. It meets quarterly to discuss postal-themed books, including a range of selections drawing from epistolary novels, popular history books about the USPS or Flatley, and novels in which letters, the post office, or stamps play a central role. We think you'll be surprised and delighted by the range of books this encompasses. So dive in and read along with us as we explore these themes. This is the inaugural meeting of the Postmarks and Paperbacks Book Club. This is being held on Zoom Monday, June 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern. Registration is required and limited for this free virtual program. A Zoom link will be sent out to participants 24 hours before the program. So we are- phenomenal. I think it's really cool. So um, at first I saw like, philatelic book club and i'm like oh what are we uh what are we going to be discussing uh you know basically something on the shelf behind me uh and i was really happy to see that the books are not even necessarily philatelic in well they're not like research books they're no they're not um i'm gonna can i read you the description of the first book that they're reading please Um, and i would love your take on this it is called ella minnow p i assume this is a Playing words for L-M-N-O-P in the alphabet. Yeah. Uh, Ella Minnow P is a girl living happily on the fictional island of Nalop off the coast of South Carolina. Nalop was named after Nevin Nalop, author of the immortal Pangram, The Quick Brown Fox Jumps Over the Lazy Dog, Pangram being a sentence that uses every letter of the English alphabet. Uh, now Ella finds herself acting to save her friends, family, and fellow citizens from the encroaching totalitarianism of the island's council, which has banned the use of certain letters of the alphabet as they fall from a memorial statue of Nevin Nalop. As the letters progressively drop from the statue, they also disappear from the novel. The result is both a hilarious and moving story of one girl's fight for freedom of expression, as well as a linguistic tour de force sure to delight word lovers everywhere. <laughs> Be honest. Is this what you expected for the first book? I it is not. It is not even a little. 1851 sesquicentennial uh, <laughs> retrospective, or yeah, um, uh, again, um, something that that I might have in the office. The Alexander Census of 1847 covers. I was yeah. not expecting a book such as this. Um, the uh, relationship to philately right. is perhaps a bit tenuous. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's perhaps mm-hmm. what the hobby needs more yeah. of is this sort of fun Subtlety. outside the box thinking. Yeah. Um, so tell me, will you be reading Element OP? I, I am going to join this club. Definitely. I won't be able to make I'm going to join first... the book club. Yeah. Whether I read the books or not, um, I, I did was uh, <laughs> not much for reading assigned literature in high school. So I don't no. know that I've changed that much over the last couple of years. No, um, but th- I think that's a phenomenal, you know, I think it'd be fun to hear a bunch of philatelists or or stamp-minded people um, discuss this book. Oh no, I kind of want to check it out. I think it sounds fun. It, um... I did, but the idea it's in in it in itself. I liked the line that you, you know you'd be surprised at how many books brush upon philately. Yes, you'll be surprised and delighted by the range of books this encompasses. Delighted this to. is not a yeah. book I would have ever considered. Again, if right. I were doing a philatelic book club, it would be much more mundane mm-hmm. and expected. Yeah. Um, and I think would... whoever is behind this is uh behind this 
No, you know, whoever thought of this book, and I think there's yeah. a couple of other books that have been announced. Um, okay. I think it's a very fun idea. So again, this is Monday at 7 p.m., June 21st. Uh, I would register sooner rather than later because I'll be sending out the link 24 hours in advance. So I found this link through the Collectors Club website. They're doing okay. sort of cross promotion. Um, but I believe it's it's presumably also on the National Post Museum's website. So when would um, I would assume. So I think that sounds like I think it's a great initiative because I think they're right. When we, before we went to interview Dr. Joseph Edelman, um, I went out to buy his book at a Gibson local store, Gibson's bookstore. And when looking for his book, I, I found two other philately related books just in the history section. And it was one woman who I, I hadn't heard of, who I believe was outside the hobby talking about the post office's influence on America as a whole. And I just, yeah, I think we will be surprised by how many books aren't entirely, that one sounded a little more research-based, but it was a little, I think it was a little lighter. Um, not Does it as remind dates, you of but... Dr. Christy Potroff's use of Edgar Allan Poe? Yes, it does. It does. Where yeah. a letter is the key to the plot, and yeah. she uses that to help teach about the post in America in the 19th century. Um, how many people... I don't know if you get this as much as I do. Maybe I hang out with different people. But whenever <laughs> I say that I'm, uh, I work for a stamp auction house, the first frame of reference is always Charade. Yeah. Uh, the Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant movie. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, you know, that's a movie that it'll almost be fun to discuss that in a not book club. But um, again, ways in which philately and the male. Um, intersects with popular culture right i'd be interested to see how many non-philatelists sign up for this club specifically because i like book clubs it'd be then... a fun mix of non-philatelists and philatelists as well i think if you had like some people who know everything about mail and some people who just want to join a book club and i don't know i feel like it could lead yeah. to some fun conversations yeah um so i don't know maybe i'll see you there monday night uh, it's going to be a, a long day of auctioning and unfortunately i won't be there monday night but um... you have soccer don't you no, no, no. I, it's it's my wedding anniversary. I'm up in Maine with the, um, right, the in-laws. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Then I will uh, I will report back after Monday night for you. Okay. Um, I will be at the next yeah, one, though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's monthly? Qu it's quarterly. So quarterly. it's every three months. Okay. Yes. So um, I think it sounds like fun. So those were my notes. Um, again, Keller had a very successful sale this past week. Siegel, Sparks, and ourselves are all holding mm -hmm. auctions next week. Um, if you don't mind me just really quickly, shamelessly, uh, Monday, we have British Postal Stationery, British Commonwealth Postal mm -hmm. Stationery. Tuesday, we have U.S. Postal History and Stamps. Wednesday, more general sale. Thursday, general sale collections, foreign, and the Erevan Collection Part mm -hmm. 5. So it feels like just yesterday we held the first part of the sale, and now we've already done five auction catalogs of it. Uh, that's Thursday, and then Friday is Spanish Philippines. So that's yeah. what I'm going to be up to next week. I think we're still going to find time to squeeze a live stream in next Friday if, yes. uh, if anyone be, would be interested. I will have a lake backdrop, though. You will, yeah, yes. you'll be on <laughs> vacation, and I'm yes. jealous. Um, um, but it, so if, if I may mention one thing about yes. Flatley opening up, this Saturday the Spillman Museum uh, has an open house in Weston, Mass, for people who are on the East Coast. So this Saturday from 1 to 3, the Spellman's opening up its doors again for the first time in, since the pandemic hit to show people they've, they've completely redesigned their exhibit hall um, and, and 
the lighting and everything and and they're opening things up and to for i think 12 people at a time can go in and just tour the exhibits they've got a wonderful exhibit on i go there every so often they've got a wonderful i still have yet to go to the spellman ever um yeah and we spoke obviously yeah since we spoke to joe mullen yeah to joe mullen i know so I'm, i'm still dying to go i'm not sure that i'm around tomorrow tomorrow you said <laughs> yeah uh, but i would love to make it up there so as soon as they yeah. do another open house i will be there but that's yeah. um that's yeah, they exciting. get, a, they get an exhibit on zeppelins and then they have a uh, complete plating of the penny blacks that's a cool. uh, complete that sheet. is cool that is it's we really should, cool. um, yeah we should do an episode from there uh yes. soon yeah um yeah. so yeah if, if anyone else in the comments has i'm trying to read the comments uh kurt yes you can complete a Canadian province in a few stamps, which is really nice. Um, obviously, Newfoundland goes on a bit longer, but mm. yeah, you get PEI or New Brunswick, one of these, and it's yeah. um, it's it's accessible. It is um, yes, uh, it's doable. It's not as daunting as like Canada. You also know they're not going to be <laughs> issuing any new stamps, which is nice. Um, very very yeah. contained. Uh, I agree. Um, yeah, this is a long tail on grading. Make stamps more like coins. Yeah, um, I think for certain stamps, I. I had an interesting conversation about that earlier this week. No, last week uh, with somebody who came into the office about um, the NPM book club first event is sold out. Oh, no. Well, I'm still going to read the book. I'm going to. But but that's that's a good sign. That's incredible. That's awesome. Um, I may contact them and see if I can pull some strings. No. um, That's a, that's a good sign. Again, I you know maybe it'll be archived so that at least I can see what people yeah. had to say about the book. Um, yeah, but that'll be fun. But yeah, grading. I think that um I think that the you know I, there's a lot. Didn't you just grading. say that that PSE just stopped slabbing? They stopped slabbing. They which stopped is, slabbing stamps. Uh, in December, I think they stopped slabbing, which yeah. is one way that stamps will not become like coins mm-hmm. unless somebody else takes up that torch. Right. Um, but it really does, you know, you deal in coins, Michael, more than I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, I think that's something, no longer slabbing them, is something that affects the stamp community much more than it affects the coin community because I've I've seen stamps that have three, four certificates that have passed with it over decades, and every certificate is different because every single time someone mishandles it. So every sure. time they have to reissue a new certificate, adding faults to the... To the stamp and that's not something you really see with coins because if someone slabs it in 1970 it's it's stuck. it's the same um yep. but there could be yeah. that one person who buys it in 2019 who takes it out too quickly tears off a perf and now you got to get a new cert i i am I'm, I'm personally much more a fan of grading for classic material because mm-hmm. there's a fixed supply um yeah. there's only so many you know uh number 17s out there it's mm-hmm. unlikely that you're going to discover a new sheet of 17s that you can cut one out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm joking about that, but um, you know, with a lot of the more modern stuff, you um, you just don't know what's out there. There, you know, for a for a post-war commemorative, there's countless sheets, yeah, untouched, and I'm sure there's some nice gem 100s amongst them. Mm-hmm. So I think what, the further back you go, even with the Washington Franklins, you do have a more yeah. I was going to say supply. the 388s. We don't actually know how many exist or something like that. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously exceptions to every rule. People are still chopping up Confederate, you know, the cheaper Confederate stamps. They're chopping up complete sheets to get those gem 100s with portions of eight adjacent stamps and whatnot. Um, you okay? 
yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think grading, um, I don't know. I, I, it certainly has its place and I certainly think it's inevitable moving forward. And, um, and, and I think it protects buyers and sellers. You know exactly what you're getting. Um, yeah. You know, a dealer can't say this is very fine when it's cut in on two sides, if it's got a great yeah. certificate with it. So are you talking specifically about, um, you know, AVGF, fine, very fine, XF, or are you talking about number grades too? Oh, there's, they're analogous. Okay. You know, uh, they, yeah. they all have their... Like the SMQ, so... Exactly, VF80 or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that um, I, I think that it. There have always been collectors who have bought with their eye. Mm -hmm. We're selling the Provera collection right now. He was buying stamps before grading was a thing. Many of his stamps graded well. So mm -hmm. yes, it is possible to assemble a great collection without graded certificates. But yeah. I just think it provides that extra layer of confidence. Well, I mean um, that that sale that Siegel just had. Um... And I've been oh. sitting here for five seconds. Just Gary Peterson. I mean, all the evidence you need that yeah. grading is important. Well, and, was uh, every single stamp graded, or was it just you know? I think most everything was graded. Yeah. And I know Siegel always puts those great cross references as well. Like here's all the stamps graded: 100, 98, 95, yeah. and it has a lot of numbers for what's at each grade. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the Peterson collection right there is is everything you need. So yeah, but um, people people want that, you know the the best of the best but it, yeah. it's it's hard there was that boom in like 2008 or 2009 where gem 100 stamps that had a catalog value of 35 cents were going for hundreds of dollars yeah. um that you know i think that kind of has you know peaked and peaked and gone but but for you know incredible classic stamps those those grades are you know they're they're helpful to people yep, yep. so um, food for thought and somebody was just talking about this yesterday in the office will they ever start grading stamps on cover hmm. I did they have to grade the whole cover or just the stamp they, they so they, they've said that they won't PSE has said that they won't, they won't I, I don't the expect the PF would either but I, I wonder right. I mean obviously it's harder to detect faults if a stamp is on cover of course without lifting it but I just wonder right. if that's a direction the hobby will go to try to um, you know and as more and more stamps are graded I think the the population of ungraded, you know, population of ungraded stamps. So sort of the law of diminishing returns. Right. So will that be a new frontier to grade covers? I will leave that to you to think about. Me or everyone else? Everyone. And okay. you. I don't I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm still getting used to this whole live stream thing. But that yeah. that's everything I've got. Um again, it's it's sort of an eventful time for auctions between and I know Cherry Stone's got a sale coming up as well, uh, which we can maybe talk about next week, but um, yeah, I think things will sort of quiet down for the summer. This is the last final push. Everyone trying to hold their auctions before, before summer break. Um, this is sort of when Harmer's season used to end back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. We used to take the summer off. Mm -hmm. um, don't do that anymore. I will be <laughs> hard at work all summer. Um, but, but yeah, I think that, um, I think that again, it's, a, it's an exciting time for auctions. Next week will be, uh, will be a lot of fun with ourselves yeah. and, and Siegel. And for Canadian collectors, they have sparks to look forward to. Um, yeah, that's all I've got. We went five minutes over the 30 minutes we were shooting for, but do you have any, oh, right. any closing, uh, I don't know if I have closing any closing. Tips. I think closing on that question, will they ever grade covers? Um, is a good, is a good closing point. Tweet Just, uh, at us. Tweet. <laughs> Let us and, know. And, um, and like my conquistador 
manuscript fancy cancel because that was that very nice that was very nice I, it's got it's got like 87 likes or something i want that to get to 100 <laughs> i don't know is that, if, I, if i get 100 likes on a tweet i feel like i can just close my twitter down forever and be happy so um okay. so yeah go All go right. like my conquistador tweet <laughs> it was nice that was nice it's um, a, it's i liked a, the, i liked the leg one that you that you sent me the um oh Benedict i should show the leg. leg off on twitter too yeah, yeah. Um, the the Benedict Arnold leg fancy cancel of Brattleboro, yeah. Vermont. Um, yeah, I'll I'll throw something up about that on Twitter later today. Yeah. So um, fantastic. This will be archived on YouTube. I think we're gonna rip the audio and put it on um, our our podcast. I'm ninety nine percent sure that we can do that. I think we can. Um, <laughs> use a vid to mp3 worst case um so yeah this will be archived though for anyone who missed it live um to everyone who was here live uh and to everyone who commented in particular thank you for yeah, joining us uh, if there's anything you want to see next week shoot us an email flatterlypodcast at gmail.com we're still figuring this out as we go so any feedback comments criticism suggestions are much appreciated uh there he is our friend <laughs> from from many many time zones away thank yeah. you peter um yeah. we'll uh we'll, we'll try and adjust the time so that we can make both the west coast <laughs> and japan happy i don't know how we're gonna do that um but uh no thank you to everyone who, who listened along and participated and uh michael we've got a super exciting interview in five hours, five hours. Five hours. we're gonna, do you, we're you gonna wanna, tweet about no wanna... we're gonna tweet about it as soon as i don't want to jinx it so i don't want to okay. tell anyone what it is i've been keeping okay. this one under wraps but as soon as it's done yeah, I'm going to share a screenshot on Twitter. Yeah. So I'll remember um, to hit the record button this time. We'll remember to hit the record button this time. Um, I'll see you in five hours, Michael. Thank yeah. you to everyone who uh, who listened along, and um, we'll see you real soon. Great. Thanks. Until next time. Until next time.